Well, I would like to welcome all those joining us online today. I'm Pastor Zach, and Shelly and I have the privilege of leading this great group of people called Connection Point Church, and it's a good time. Uh, we love what we get to do here and be a part of this great family. You know, and many of you may be aware that we live in a world that's at odds with our identity as children of God. We really are. You know, we daily get bombarded with messages that try to inform our identity. Messages like this one from Starbucks. Found this one? There it is. You are what you drink. I mean, really? <laughs> but that's the kind of messages we get. All kinds of these messages. You are what you drive. You are what you do. You are what other people think of you. You are what people like on Facebook, right? You post something, come back an hour later. Yeah, how many people like that one? Do that on Twitter as well. We, we are what people retweet. Like, that was a good quote. Why didn't somebody retweet that, you know? That's where we inform our identity sometimes. Over and over throughout your week, we are bombarded with messages that try to inform your identity. But what does Scripture have to say about who we are? We've talked about it the past month as we've looked at the baptism of Jesus. And last week, we looked at the genealogy of Jesus. So we've been talking about this that you make a decision to follow Jesus, and God the Father speaks over your life. You are loved. You are a child of God, and I am pleased with you. That's who we are. But the enemy of your soul, he means to come against that identity, and he does it daily, sometimes hourly. And why does he do it? You want to know why? He's afraid. He knows if you embrace that identity and who you are in Christ then you're going to do extraordinary things in this life. He comes against you for a reason. He understands that if you grab a hold of who you are as a son or daughter of the King of Kings, then you will change the world. You will make disciples. You will build the kingdom of God. That's why he attacks it. That's why he comes against you. But now as we get into Luke chapter 4 today, we're going to find that the enemy attacks us with three specific messages of false identity. And as we do, here's what we're going to find, that you must be faithful to experience the wonder of living, of being a child of God. You have to be faithful to experience the wonder of living as a child of God. You must be faithful to your true identity as a child of God to experience the joy of walking with God for a lifetime, to experience the eternal benefits of living for Him. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you do. Hey, if you're new with us today, maybe you didn't bring a Bible with you. There's Bibles underneath your chair. I encourage you to go ahead and use that one this morning. If you don't have a Bible at home, take it home as a gift from the church. We want everybody to have a Bible. It's important for daily instruction in life. But I'm going to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 4. We're going to get into verses 1 through 15 this morning. I'm also going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 15. Luke chapter 4, 1 to 15. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. Okay, here's an important part. Led by the Spirit into the wilderness. We're going to come back to that. Being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. I love that statement. If you don't eat for 40 days, you think you might be hungry? Yeah, I'd say so. 
The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. That's a great word. And he took him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. There you go. Devil starts quoting scripture. Do you know the scripture better, better than the devil? That's a good test. Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had entered, ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So the very words of God may be seated this morning. So coming back around to that first sentence in this passage, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. What a transition from being water baptized. Jesus is baptized. God the Father has declared, you are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. And this love is the foundation for Jesus' self-understanding and the root source of how he feels about himself. So the Holy Spirit descends, and then what's he do? Well, here's what we find. He leads Jesus into the wilderness. So he's spoken over, you are my beloved son, and you I'm well pleased. Now go enjoy some time in the wilderness. I mean, how can that be? If God loves Jesus, then why would the Spirit lead him into a place like the wilderness? Well, it's because of what the water represents. So we're in this section of Scripture that deals with water, wilderness, and wonder. And water represents everything about identity. And as we get into the wilderness today, you'll find out the wilderness is where identity is tested. But not for the purpose of failure, for the purpose of you being firm in who you are in Christ. So we put our faith in God and he declares, you are loved, you are a child of God, and I am pleased with you. And we examine the lineage of Jesus and we find in Luke 3.38, so this is from last week, the last line, the lineage of Jesus, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. I love those last four words. As followers of Jesus, we can be confident in our identity as a son or daughter of God. That's what water is all about. That's what baptism is all about. Living and swimming in the river of God's deep love for us in Jesus is at the very heart of true spirituality. Soaking in this love enables us to surrender to God's will, especially when it seems so contrary to what we can see, what we can feel, or what we can figure out ourselves. This is important. We need to understand this. We soak in this love, and it enables us to surrender to God's will, especially when it seems contrary to what we would think. 
This experiential knowing of God's love and acceptance, it provides the only sure foundation for loving and accepting our true selves. We all know we fall short. We know who we really are when nobody else is around, the things we don't post on Facebook and Twitter. We know that, but you know what? God can take that on. The weight that that would bear on your own soul, Jesus can take himself. God has shaped and crafted us internally with unique personality, thoughts, dreams, temperament, feelings, talents, gifts, and desires. But we're deeply loved. We're a treasure. But then the Spirit, he leads us to a place where our identity is tested. We walk into the wilderness, and our identity is tested for a reason, so that we can become firm in who we are in the kingdom of God. And the devil, he tempts us because he wants to challenge our faithfulness to God. That's what's happening here. If we're not firm in who we are in Jesus, it's really hard to remain faithful to him. But here's another important part about the wilderness. We're also brought into the wilderness so that we can understand that God is all we need. You see, the wilderness is a place where everything is stripped away so that the only thing we have left is Jesus. We need to understand this. This is a really important part of the wilderness. You cannot learn that all you need is Jesus until all you have is Jesus. Grab hold of that this morning. You can't know that all you need is Jesus until all that you have is Jesus. This is part of why the Spirit leads us to the wilderness. We need to understand this. It teaches us that dependence upon God and firms up our identity in Him. The wilderness teaches dependence upon God and firms up our identity in Him. In other words, there's tremendous value in the wilderness. This is why the Spirit leads us there. A spiritual wilderness, we know it can take many shapes in our lives. Travel could be included. Might be a short-term opportunity overseas. A spiritual retreat alone with God. A job change, occupational relocation, you're going to change where you're going. The experience could involve difficult circumstances, like the loss of a loved one, a difficult work environment, tensions among close relatives or even a spouse, family members helping them endure trials. A wilderness moment, it comes in many forms, but here's what's important. God will meet you there. God desires to remove what should not remain. He transforms us into his image in the wilderness. A renewed sense of who you are as a child of God, it awaits those who can withstand the wilderness and deal with the tension that's there. So when wilderness experiences come, don't run from the wilderness. Learn to live in the wilderness because God shows up in extraordinary ways there. Embrace wilderness experiences and watch as you become firm as a son or daughter of the king. In the wilderness experience of Jesus, we find these three false identities or masks that the enemy offers each one of us. And that's what we want to dive into this morning. Three powerful temptations, they threaten us. And this is, in the end, what each one of these screams. The enemy would like you to believe that God's love for you will never be enough, that you are not lovable, and that you are not good enough. That's what these false identities will preach. And I love how Luke, he lists the genealogy of Jesus right before Jesus faces the temptations. Jesus is the son of Adam, it says, the son of God. And this passage of scripture, it reminds the hearers, it reminds those, especially in the first century, we know of another example in the Bible of a man who faced Satan in the wilderness. It's found in Genesis, and it was Adam. And we saw what that led to. 
So then the reader begins to ask, well, how is this interaction going to turn out? How is Jesus going to fare? What things is he going to face in the wilderness? And how is Jesus going to come out in the end? And so then in the first temptation, here's what we find. You must be faithful to experience the wonder of being a child of God. And here's why. Because you are not what you do. You need to understand this. You are not what you do. It is not about your performance. The devil says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. He says, do this. Do this. Perform. Perform for me. You know, Jesus at this point, he's lived a quiet life for 30 years. He hasn't begun his ministry. At this point, nobody believes in him. And he was hungry. These tests were coming after his 40 days of fasting. And Jesus, at this point, he's made no real contribution to the world yet. At least nothing much that's recorded. And daily, you and I, we're bombarded. Bombarded with questions related to our performance. We begin to ask ourselves, well, what have I achieved? How have I demonstrated my usefulness? You know, we get that question, what do you do? You're talking with somebody, you're just meeting somebody. I mean, pretty shortly thereafter, you're asking that question, so what do you do? Because we define ourselves by what we do. Most of us consider ourselves worthwhile if we have scored sufficient success in work, in family, in school, in church, in relationships. And when we don't, we may move harder and faster trying to succeed. And what happens is we could go inward into depression out of shame or perhaps even blame others for the predicament we're in. And what's interesting is, is if you actually find success in something, it can actually cause you to find worth and value in something outside of God's inexhaustible love for you. So I I caution you here, be leery of success. Success could actually be a dangerous thing. So be careful about wishing for it. But now how does Jesus respond to the test of being tempted and defined by what he does? His reply comes from Deuteronomy 8.3. And here's what he says. Man does not live by bread alone. So this is a quote from Luke. But then we continue in Deuteronomy and it says, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. When Jesus makes a quote from the Old Testament, he's inferring the whole passage. That's why it's always helpful to get the context. So yes, man doesn't live by bread alone. What does he live by? The word of God. We need to grab a hold of that. So our life is defined by living the word of God. Life is defined by doing God's will and depending on his leading. In the Deuteronomy citation, the next line refers to living by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. We said that. To live for God and his word is to truly live. To be faithful to him is to experience a rich and satisfying life. So your job, the place you you might clock in, the place you receive your paycheck from, that's not who you are. When you become frustrated with your job as a teacher, a bricklayer, a farmer, a mom, remember in these roles, God loves you and you're well pleased. These roles don't define who you are in Jesus. You must be faithful to experience the wonder of being a child of God because you're not what you do. And the next point is this, that you must be faithful to experience the wonder of being a child of God because you're not what you have. Be faithful because in the end, you're not what you have. You are not your possessions. Jesus was taken to see all the magnificence and power of the earth. The devil basically says to him, look around you what everybody else has. You ever get that message? You don't have anything. How can you think that you're somebody? How will you survive? 
you're a nobody. And the devil was playing on the profound issues of fear that can come inside, that can haunt us. And what's funny is, is that's the source of the enemy's security. The devil who says, well, look what I have. That's his security, but that's not our security. Our culture often measures our success by what we own. Marketers now spend more than $15 billion, billion dollars each year to lead children and adolescents to believe they have to have certain toys, clothes, phones, technology. I mean, the list goes on and on. Their very identities can depend on it. And as adults, we measure ourselves through comparisons. Well, now who has the most money, the the most healthy body, the most comfortable life, the best retirement? Often our sense of worth is tied to our positions at work, the money and the benefits, that is. Who has the best education and from what school? The most talents and awards, the most degrees. Who has the most attentive, handsome boyfriend or husband? What about the best-looking girl or wife? Satan tells us, all of this I give to you. And though Satan possesses great authority, he can't grant this wish. And this is important. The proposal is ultimately a delusion and a lie. That's how Satan works. He wants to preach a false identity, and it's all a delusion and a lie, as are all of Satan's attempts to get us off track. And Jesus' reply makes it clear. He knows which way is true. Going the devil's way is not the way to lose or gain power. It's the way to lose it. The devil's way is not the way to gain power, although that's what he's saying. It's the way to lose it. Jesus opts to receive from the Father what is only the Father's to give. He replies from Deuteronomy 6.13, which says, It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. And I'm going to keep going. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. That's the admonition. So let me ask, what's the, what's the God of the American dream? That you are what you own. You are what you possess. And how do we fight that false identity? We serve God. This is why one of our core values is serving others. It's one of our attempts to say we're going to fight against what becomes a false identity in our lives and we're going to commit to serving others. To define yourself as a son or daughter immensely loved by God, to find your personal worth and Abba Father who says you are loved, you're a child of God and I'm well pleased with you. To do this apart from anything you have or anything that you do, that's revolutionary. To not define yourself by your possessions or your performance is revolutionary. Our culture, your family of origin, your very nature, it tells you that only possessions and talents and applause from other people are sufficient for security. That's what you're told. But Jesus models surrender of our will to the love of God as our Father as the true anchor for who you are. The home you live in does not define you. The car you drive does not form your identity. The kind of phone you use does not inform the kind of person you truly are. And all those with flip phones said, (laughs) I really shouldn't pick on people with flip phones. I don't know why I do it. But it's all right. That phone doesn't define you. Leon Troyer. (laughs) One of these days, he's going to get me. You must be faithful (laughs) to experience the wonder of being a child of God because you're not what you have. You're not what you have. And the last point is this. You must be faithful to experience the wonder of being a child of God because you're not what others think. 
You're not defined by your popularity. Satan invited Jesus to throw himself down from the highest spot of the temple so that people might believe in him. Jesus is probably taken to the royal porch on the temple's southeast corner, which loomed over the the southeast corner and over the Kidron Valley, about 450 feet below. Josephus, a first century Jewish historian, he mentions that just looking over that edge, it made people feel dizzy. So to cast yourself down from such a height and survive would take divine intervention. There's no way it could happen otherwise. You know, and at this point, people didn't think anything of Jesus. I mean, he was, in effect, invisible. How could he think he had worth and value? But now if there's a public display of God's intervention, if Jesus casts himself down and angels come and grab him up, what kind of popularity would Jesus have? You know, some of us, we're addicted to what others think. A good number of us place a higher premium on what other people think than we even realize. You know, we, we begin to ask ourselves, what am I going to say in that conversation? You're approaching somebody. What school will my child attend? What will other people think of that? Who will I date? Do I tell that person that he or she made a comment that I, I didn't appreciate? What kind of career will I pursue? Our self-image, it soars with a compliment and becomes devastated with the criticism. It's a good test if you weigh too much and think too much about what others think of you. But true freedom comes when you no longer need to be somebody special in other people's eyes. True freedom comes when you no longer need to be special in somebody else's eyes because you know that you know that you know you're loved, you're a child of God, and he's pleased with you. And yet we easily become trapped inside our own heads, thinking about our daily interactions. I remember this as a teenager. You know, we begin to approach somebody in conversation, and we're thinking about, what could I say to impress that individual? We listen, but only as a way to figure out, well, now, what am I going to say in return? And we even watch to see what kind of response we're getting as we speak. And then as we walk away from the conversation, we begin to replay it in our mind, maybe I should have said this instead, you know? Holy cow, get out of your head. Live in freedom. Because this experience, although it can be heightened as a teenager, it can easily continue into your 20s, your 30s, your 50s, your 70s. It doesn't end unless you stop it. We remain trapped in living a pretend life out of an unhealthy concern for what other people think. But how does Jesus respond to this temptation? We find it in Deuteronomy 6. He says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. That's what he says. And so Jesus will not test God or, or characterize his ministry with a flashy display engaged in for selfish purposes. Jesus' messianic ministry will not just be a traveling roadshow of the miraculous. He will not use his sonship to pursue popularity. In fact, over and over, he's telling those who he heals, don't go tell anybody about this. I don't want to use my popularity for my ministry. And this is what will define the life Jesus leads. It's this, because as you keep reading through Deuteronomy, so Jesus, every time, he's replying out of Deuteronomy, because what you find in Deuteronomy is, what is our life in Christ? Loving God, loving people, and doing right what's in the eyes of God. You keep reading the scripture passage that Jesus quotes, and that's exactly what you find. And this is what should define our lives as well. Instead of working to gain popularity, instead of being concerned what other people think, love God, love people, and do what is right and good in God's eyes. Love God, love people, and do what is right and good in God's eyes. Let that define you. So when you come across an email that speaks badly of you, when you overhear conversations in your workplace that don't compliment you, 
Remember who you are in God's eyes. Other people's opinions of you do not inform you of your worth. You are a treasure in the kingdom of God. You are not what others think. Be faithful to experience the wonder of being a child of God. Jesus' successful encounter with the devil, it reveals how thoroughly dedicated he is to God's will and his call. Jesus will take only the road God asks him to follow. He will not take any shortcuts. He knows that a successful walk with God only goes where the Father leads. And just as Jesus shows loyalty as the Son, we must show loyalty as God's children. And just as Jesus was faithful, that's our calling. We need to remain faithful to our identity in him. The temptations say, God's love for you will never be enough. As God's children, we need to remember we are lovable. We are good enough. And if Jesus was tempted in these hard areas, how much more will we be tempted? But the good news is this. Jesus tells us he helps us in the midst of that temptation. The writer of Hebrews, he says, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Who better than the Son of God to help us in the midst of temptation? but the one who sits at the right hand of God, interceding for you and I. We all have basic needs to fit in somewhere, to feel loved, to be accepted for who we are, to have this basic sense of value or worth. That's a human desire, and God gives us that desire because he means for that to be rooted in him. And all of those needs must be met by remaining faithful to Jesus, to being firm in our identity as a child of God, because in Jesus you are loved, and with God you're well-pleased. So how do you respond? A couple of questions for you to consider this morning. How do you respond to personal struggles in your life? Do you get angry? Do you seek to reassert your control even when you know things are out of your hands, out of your control? Or do you rest in faith, you look for God's hands, and you ask him what you should be learning in what you're going through? That should be our response. If you are to grow spiritually, you can expect trial. If you are to grow spiritually, you need to look to God in the midst of it. If we're going to grow spiritually, expect challenges. But in the end, look to God in the midst of it. And as you do, as you remain faithful to God, as you remain confident in who you are, here's what happens. I love how our scripture passage ends this morning. This is why I included these next two verses. Here's what happened to Jesus. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. So he becomes firm And the power comes. And a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. That's what happens. As we walk through the wilderness, we know that we can return in the power of the Spirit to be glorified by all. We share in that with Jesus. And as you remain faithful, you live in the power of the Spirit, and you experience the wonder of being a child of God. That's where the water, wilderness, and wonder happens. I love that we're now from here going to enter into the wonder of following Jesus. You experience a rich and satisfying life. You experience hope now and hope for the future. You experience community in the family of God. You experience joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. You experience purpose and meaning in life. You experience the wonder of being a child of God. So to understand, Jesus is all you need. You have to walk through experiences where Jesus is all that you have. So don't be afraid of that. You're not defined by what you do, by your performance. You're not defined by what you have, by your possessions. You're not defined by what other people think of you, by your popularity. You are defined by who you are in Jesus. And you are loved. You are a child of God. And he is pleased with you.
As you leave from this place, I want you to be confident in who you are as a child of God. Remain faithful to him and experience the wonder of following Jesus. Let's stand as we close in song this morning. And as you're, you're standing, I'd like to ask, have you been living in one of those false identities? And have you been living there because you've never claimed an identity as a child of God? You've never made a decision to follow Jesus with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. So maybe that's you today. And you'd say, you know what? I don't have an identity. I've not been adopted into the family of God because I've never made a decision to do that. But what could your life look like if you were firm in who you are as a son or daughter of the King of Kings? So with every head bowed here this morning, you have that opportunity today. You'd say, you know what? I want to be firm in who I am in Jesus. But to do that, you've got to make that decision that says, I want to follow you, God. If that's you today and you'd say, that's me. I want to follow after God. I've, I've not been following after him. Simply raise your hand this morning. I'm just going to pray with you before you go. Anybody that would say, that's me today. I want to be firm in who I am in Christ. I've not been following Jesus, but I want to give him my life today. I want to follow him today. Anybody would say, that's me. Just raise your hand and we'll pray with you before you go today. Somebody over here in the back. Anybody else? Anybody else would say, that's me. I, I need to follow Jesus today. If that was you this morning, Pastor Mark, if you don't mind, um, they were kind of in the back corner. All we simply do, could we applause that person this morning and said, I want to follow Jesus. I want a, my identity in him. When somebody makes that decision, we don't want to leave them alone, so we just want to give them a Bible and say, hey, here's where you go from here. And we don't just want to give you a book, we want to give you a person. So Pastor Mark will help with that this morning. And if there's anybody else that would say, that's me today, I, I'd like to make a decision to follow Christ, please don't stay where you're at. You can come find me in the front, and we'll give you information on where you go from here. And let me say this too, if we've got members of our prayer team here this morning, would you guys mind to come back up to the front? And as we close in song this morning, you know, you maybe have made that decision to follow Christ, but the world has really weighed upon you. Those three false identities have been preached hard into your life. And you say, I'm really struggling. Or maybe you're in the midst of the wilderness and that identity is being tested. You'd say, I need to be prayed for so I can have strength in the wilderness today. So if that's you today, as we close in song, come forward for prayer. Come forward for encouragement. Let somebody else pray with you and pray that God makes you firm in who you are in him. So if you need prayer today as we close in song to say, I'm in the wilderness and I need somebody to pray with me today. Just come forward as we sing.